Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Okay. Can you hear me? I sure can. All right. Awesome. How are you doing today? You know, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. It's, it's not a bad day over here. It's just, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, Vancouver, Washington. Uh, can't complain. All right. Okay. My, uh, my last day before I, I teach. So it's my last day before I kind of head back into uh, some teacher training stuff and, uh, start my, uh, what I think my 19th year. So it's, uh, you know, wow. Your 19th year teaching? Teaching, yeah. So Wow. It's been a minute. Yeah, for sure. So, That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to start in a, in a new school this year. Uh, so it'll be uh, it'll be a fun, uh, like, change is always, is always good. It's been a long time, so it'll be good. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah, so thank you for taking some time to hang out today on TPQ20. We always like to start off by saying we know who you are, but our audience might be new to you, and it's super important because you do have some things coming up uh, soon. So we want them to get to know you better. What is that bio that you would not necessarily put on the back of your book cover or your website? Who are you? Who? Oh man, what a question. Who am I? I feel like that's like how a lot of Marvel movies start. Like, who am I? You know, it's like the new thing that people say. Um, but I don't want to come off suggesting that I'm a superstar in any capacity, um, or superhero, I should say. You gotta put it out there in the ether. Why not? Why not? I want to manifest being able to fly. So, um, so I am, uh, a poet, critic, and journalist. Um, that would be something you would see likely on a bio, but, uh, going a little further, in my day job, I work on mental health reporting, which is something that I have a lot of opinions about because I and every writer, I'm sure, has struggled with mental health conditions. Um, so, <laughs> oh, good, I'm not the only one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hate to. Yeah, this is my my. Uh, well, I would say it's 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 a pretty well researched opinion that we're all like just constantly fucking our brains uh so i uh can certainly say that reporting on this is i you know i'm never surprised when i hear about anxiety and depression being on the rise i just nod and go "Mm -hmm, yeah (laughs) as i have my own like imbalanced storm going on so um yeah uh so i i write a lot about everyday mental health struggles people face and that can look like anything from you know people being completely 
devastated by climate change's effects. It could also look like someone who has always suffered from anxiety. It can look like a trauma-based response to a situation. It could be about racial disparities that make people more anxious as a result of their, you know, the, 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 their socioeconomic positions and all of the, you know, racism, sexism, xenophobia that just happens to just live always here in this good country of ours. Um, so yeah, that's a lot of, of what I do in terms of my day job, which is really nice, even though what I just described is not nice necessarily. I really enjoy though that I can write the the story, these personal stories of people who whose voices may not otherwise get into the limelight and maybe even change some policies around how we respond to mental health. So that is my day job. And then I do have a book coming out, Overland, and I'm really excited about it um, because it does address climate change. Uh, and there's uh, it, it does swirl around mental health issues, my own, like what it means to be constantly depressed, anxious, and at times suicidal at a time when the earth itself is being abused by corporate greed and endless hunger for resources. So it's like this really interesting combination of of dilemmas and, and I guess the failure in some ways of witness um, when it comes to corporate greed. Um, but yeah, that's, I guess, a very long version of a bio that you wouldn't read uh, on any cover because it would have been edited <laughs> and right. given. Yeah. <laughs> that's so much to dig into. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, we, we like to talk about like the idea of passions kind of beyond the page. Um, and I think you've kind of given us a, a summation of that in that, in that bio. So when you're writing, I mean, I, you, because you have two different lanes, at least two different lanes of writing, mm -hmm. journalistic approach to things, and you have the poetic approach to things. Um, where do you see the through line? Because there, there, mm -hmm. there has to be a, well, I mean, I guess, let me rephrase, there doesn't have to be a through line, but is there for you um, a crossover? Does, uh, and does your day job, you know, you kind of already said it trickles a little bit into your, mm -hmm. your personal approach to poetry, but where is the kind of, where is that through line for you or is there, and, and do things cross over? Yes. I, I want to add more in a second. I just wanted to give it a, a pause to consider that through line. Yeah, there is absolutely through line in the kinds of work I do. I would say, I would say, okay, I got it. The work of a poet is by nature pretty lonely. It's isolated, solipsistic, whatever existential term you want to use to describe the labor of a poet. And the ultimate poem that comes from writing in that isolation sorry about that, isolation is received with some degree of thought, contemplation. Maybe someone is blasted out of their seat because of a sentence. And there is a way in which poems can dig so deeply into 
these unsaid parts of ourselves um, or the parts of ourselves that we don't give rise to enough because, you know, of our conditioning and socialization. So in that sense, like a poetry is so nourishing for like-minded, existentially minded people. And when it comes to journalism, there's a sense of more, it's, it's more community oriented. I'm writing not for a group of people who gets words like solipsism, and, but I'm writing for people who aren't thinking about words like solipsism. Yeah. They're working on getting food on the table and trying to figure out where their taxes are going. And it's incredibly utilitarian type writing in some sense it's craft in the sense of what's immediately digestible and I would say that the two hug a central message of what are we doing Mm. who are we doing any of this for how can we live I don't try to hold back with my journalism when it comes to that question it's not everything that I write about is interconnected. Um, the way that a plant breathes in my house, the way that my cats sleep, which they are right now, and it's very cute. The way that, you know, a flag waves in the wind, like all of these, I'm just like looking at three different things in my, uh, in my, in my area, but it's all interconnected for poems, but it's all this, it's all interconnected for observation too. Like uh, these are the things at the end of the day that mean something to us and also plead additional meanings for, you know. So I suppose that's a way around me, I, or it's a way for me to address the through line. So in a succinct way, I can say that we are always striving for explanation and meaning sometimes that meaning is more just there's like one answer to it it's a policy issue sometimes it there are no answers to it it's just an abundance of questions and with each question we stray further from an answer (laughs) (laughs) i like the do you do you find it a question that's come up or I guess a topic that's come up in some of these discussions lately, um, because there are seemingly more and more poets who are moving toward a journalistic type of writing. Do you find that it's easier to drip poetry into journalism or journalism mm. into poetry? That's a great question. I find, well, I think it's easier to drip poetry into journalism, but my editors do not. <laughs> Um, (laughs) you know, um, not always, you know, I, I, and this is no dig at my editor. Sometimes they're just like, Hey, I don't think we need three paragraphs about a cloud moving across the sky. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Everyone wants to know about that. Um, but so, I mean, a journalism or sorry, journalists editors going to cut 
the clouds from the writing. And then I'm going to turn to the poetry page and say, this cloud is going in here. And it's also going to be a poem that takes some of its cues from data. And that's a way for me to sort of have that storehouse of information plus imagery. But yeah. Do you think that more, would more people read and appreciate journalism though if the editor were to say yes to the clouds um yeah i mean you know maybe yeah maybe i think i i'd like to say yes but there's also something that i've learned that's very humbling about journalism is a lot of people just want they just want to get to the meat of what you're writing they don't they don't have time to idle over uh, a cloud in the sky. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. And you kind of said that earlier, the idea that, you know, what you're writing sometimes is for the people who are just trying to put food on their table. Yeah. If they have a snippet of time for a, you know, a, a piece of reading of whatever. So right. There, there is that as well. Um, yeah. But I do want to say one thing about just before we move on, which is I, now that I've had, again, like, I, I think that, you're asking really great questions and then I just start to talk. And then okay. at the end of talking, I think I come to a conclusion. Um, that's the, but that's the hope we all have for talking. Right. Um, but the thing that I think is really powerful is when I can write poems that utilize the uh, sort of journalistic integrity. Like I wrote one of the poems in Overland is called, Chippewa State Park Trail. And it's based on an article of a 10-year-old girl being murdered in Chippewa State Trail and Chippewa River State Trail, in case anyone is fact-checking me. But so, <laughs> um, but the poem is more about, I'm sorry if you keep hearing emails coming in. Oh, Are you no, hearing that? Not at all. Oh, good. Oh, good. You're not hearing that at all. Okay, perfect. Um, but that poem is like, it's really just a deconstructing of passive voice in journalism and how instead of saying a man killed a little girl biking in the woods, the tendency is for the lead to say a, a 10 year old was found dead in the woods. And it's like, that difference is devastating for a lot of reasons but one is that the there's no blame there's just a you know it's like a, a, this very very passive observation that gets slowly uncovered in the story so this that poem is is really about why tragedies always are delivered in the passive voice so it, it's, it's kind of a question that i play with in that poem but it begins and ends with a little girl was found dead today. And between there is something direct that I want to say to readers about what that tragic loss is and how it can feel. And I think to that and to something you said earlier about policies, in a conversation with Jonah Nixon-Webster, uh, we were talking about um, that idea that, you know, so many poets just leave it on the page. Mm -hmm. that they don't you know they don't take their you know it's it's not a it's not a body thing or it's not a step farther than that you know 
it's it's just words that are hoping to you know inspire conversation change mm-hmm. and he he has a he's working on a on something called protocol um, which is kind of starting more of a conversation around policies and things like that mm-hmm. so um do you feel that you know his thinking is that more poets should be writing policies looking at you know and looking at the world at large and how to actually enforce a change and and uh, you know get there through writing mm-hmm. versus just you know working on the conversations on the conversation starters yeah. yeah do you think that there is you know is there how much power is there in you know not only being able to put the words out there in a poetic form that do that do inspire conversation and and work toward that but also be able to write those policies. I mean, it sounds like you're kind of heading in that direction with some of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you yeah. think that a poet's voice is still as powerful as, as you know, it, it used to be? Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the voice of the people. I mean, are we still? Yeah. Um, yes. And hopefully, <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll say more. So I, I, I'm, I always use this example of something that radicalized me. There's this excellent book called Losing Earth by Nathaniel Rich. And um, I first read a version of it on New York Times Magazine, like a snippet from his book, or maybe it created the drive to turn it into a book. I can't remember which came first. But there's a part in the conversation of how we got to where we are with climate change, where in the 80s, we had a moment where people from Exxon, policymakers, um, environmental activists, they were all in the same room and they were like thinking toward a better policy about energy efficiency and maybe coming toward environmental solutions before the worst of uh, climate change happened. And The thing that always stays with me is the reason they didn't come out with any kind of policy is nobody could agree on the wording. And I think about that a lot. Could a poet have helped with the wording? I don't know, but there wasn't a poet there. And um, there are so many opportunities that we could have intervened in where just the just getting some sort of consensus on language can lead to change. Now I reckon that poets hate consensus in language and and that's why they're poets. But I do think that there is something to getting more di- like diverse voices at the table, whether those voices are coming at this from the perspective of how, the cells of a leaf change versus someone who's really involved in writing policy. You know, there's so many different ways that we can approach this, uh, addressing policies. My answer for, for this is I tend, if I want to see policies changed, I write an article about it. It's not that the poems wouldn't do that, It's just that you have to ask who is reading poetry and who among those reading poetry is going to use that as 
political fodder. I would love to see a time in which it's true that we do this, that we can say, take a poem by Ricky Laurentiis or someone and say, look at this poem and now let's change our minds about X, Y, and Z. Right. We're not there yet. Yeah. I'd like us to be, but right now for me, um, observation can be contained in a poem and it can be contained in an article. And I love living with both worlds. I feel like in that sense, I, I, I can harness the emotional heft in the poem and then the more clinical, crafty, technical journalism um, with an article. So I don't, yeah, I, I think that there's definitely potential for poetry to change everything, but the poem itself doesn't necessarily hold the answer. It's what's happening outside of the poem itself. Yeah. So to kind of switch gears here, um, mm -hmm. chat a little bit about Overlord. Overland. Or Overland. I'm, no, it's okay. Overlord is a Jory Graham collection that is one of my favorites. And so I'm flattered. <laughs> <laughs> well, to talk for, about Overland for a bit, um, we always talk about, you know, the pitfalls and, and stumbling blocks and process steps that go along the way with writing, with writing, uh, you know, a new work, either a chapbook or a collection. Um, where did we start with Overland? How how old is the first? How old is the oldest poem? Hmm. The oldest poem is from twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen, okay. um, which is like really old in poetry terms, but also not at all. <laughs> is it? But is it still your voice? I mean, twenty. It's mm -hmm. funny how twenty fourteen is. You know, so few years ago. But with everything that's happened since then, it's it's a, truly like a generation ago. Um, oh my god! If I explained to twenty fourteen self what the I, fuck we're dealing with now, I'd be like, yeah. "What do you mean?" Uh -huh. <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense at all. So, is it still you? I mean, how's did the voice change from you know twenty fourteen version to <laughs> maybe that two thousand nineteen final edit? Which, yeah you know are you or i guess to i guess when was the final edit or are you still um, i mean you know we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're still we're still got a few if you know a little while to go so yeah the final edits is the voice still there yeah i mean when you said 2019 final edits i like stiffen because i, I, I think i, <laughs> I was like oh i wish farther. um well I'll, so i'll answer i think i'll i'll, I'll try to answer it in an order that makes sense so 2014 was when I wrote this poem and um, it's called The Limits of What We Can Do. And it's, a poem. <laughs> I mean, the title just continued to hit me hard in various ways. And in fact, it's, I'm so glad you mentioned this poem, or sorry, you asked me about this and talked about these other questions because um, that poem is about the limits of what a poem can do. And there's a line, yeah, and there's a line in it that is meant ironically, but also sincerely both. And it's just, I like poetry because there are no miracles in it. And and I know it's not true. I know poetry is rife with miracles, but it came at a point where 
it wasn't too long before I wrote it that Mike Brown was uh, executed. And I was thinking about, at that point, I, I was, I was still, I mean, I was thinking about, you know, police brutality. I was thinking about climate change. I was thinking about uh, just the world that we inherited and continue to inherit. And so that poem really is about this funny time, this funny feeling of, of being constantly in a precarious place. And ironically, in that poem, I dreamed that I was a journalist who wrote for Slate. I didn't know I wanted to be a journalist yet. Oh. And, and so it had this very prophetic or prescient quality to it, where I wrote an article called The Limits of What We Can Do, and nothing much happened after that, except that it was, like, I guess, well-received. That idea... Everything I can like laid out in that poem continued to ripple with me. Um, it start the whole poem starts neutrality is a privilege, which is something I think about a lot still. Like you, if you are neutral on an issue, that's a privilege, and that continues to be true. And so, when I was editing this book, I at first I put it as the first in the collection. That makes sense, right? Twenty fourteen, the poem comes. But now it's the last poem in the collection um, because it remains true that I have no idea what the potential of a poem is, what the potential of an article is. Um, and it's remained at this, it's, a, it's, it's an art, I'm sorry, it's a poem that, that kind of has an article-like quality to it, but I haven't figured out an answer to it. I have been writing this collection, I want to say since 2014, but I think it really started in 2017, uh, or no, I'm sorry, 2016. Okay. So I wrote that poem, I did other poems since, and then 2016, I started writing a very long poem called The Lake. And The Lake is, you know, I would go to the same spot by a lake in Madison, Wisconsin, and just write whatever I was experiencing. And so that was kind of revolutionary for me because I had never done anything like that. Right. And that was around the time I read Losing Earth by Nathaniel Rich. And like all of those things kind of amalgamated into um, a book on climate change and overland. And um, I'm still editing it sort of. I mean, I'm not. I'm not technically because I, I got my um I, I sent yeah and... no not no get no galleys yet but um I definitely am I predict in my crystal ball that I am going to drive some copy editors at Copper Canyon crazy because I submitted the the final manuscript with edits answered and everything and like uh, I would like to say at the end of February <laughs> and then a couple months ago, I was, or I'm sorry, then a, a month ago, I added a new poem. Then I took out another poem. Then I replaced a poem and turned it this way and that way. So <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to actually get the um, interiors of my book because I keep changing them. So uh, 
Yeah. It's like a just... Kanye West album. It'll just, once it's out, it's just a new version the next week and the next. Exactly. Week. I mean, it's you know, that's the. Upper Canyon. We, you know, they're good to go. They're fine. They, they'll, they'll handle it. Um, I'm sure that I'm not the worst one they've got, they've worked with. Um, but who knows? I, I mean, if I can be the worst most high maintenance poet at copper canyon that's incredible that's an that's an achievement <laughs> it is it is absolutely an achievement i won't try <laughs> but um i'll do what i can so yeah uh so tldr 2014 o- oldest poem last edited like uh, uh yeah uh, last edited august 5th 2022 you know when you open a google doc and then you close it and it says technically like change the comma i feel like that's yeah that's where i am Mm -hmm. so as we kind of shift toward the uh, the finish line here who are you excited to be reading these days what uh what's kind of what's kind of thrilling you in the uh in the world be it uh, journalism or poetry um Mm. and then uh when can we expect your uh, first version of overland to uh to come out yeah well let's see i i mean right now the poets i am really really digging i i mean just i'm so amazed by them um i mean i just finished some of sharif's um new book uh customs and i think i've read it too many times um and i don't know if too, yeah i've read it a lot and it's so good i really really love sarah eliza johnson's work uh she her poem her poetry collection vapored is either out or coming out i pre-ordered it i think i accidentally pre-ordered it three times um but i was just i just really love her work so i i may have three (laughs) yeah i may have three copies coming my way accidentally i always um really let's see I mean, it's so funny when when I'm asked that question because I'm like, oh God, how I I want to talk about so many poets right now. Aria Aber, someone who I I always adore. She's a friend, but she's also an incredible poet. I just um, hold on, wait, let me just make sure I have their name right because I was literally reading them, and I I just want to make sure that I right Caleb Ray Kendrilli. I read their work um, recently, not for the first time, but I've really got into it and I, I think they're incredible. And then I just started reading for the first time Ada Limon's The Hurting Kind and it's very, very good. And I just like ugh, the ache. It's a good achy. Yeah, it's it feels, feels good. And just knowing that she just recently became poet laureate and just so thrilled for her. It's pretty cool to like that one. This poet laureate feels different. Yeah. It's because it really does come from kind of our, our, you know, little generational circle of, you know, it, it kind of feels like, you know, our generation of, of poets is, is coming to a kind of come to the forefront at times. And yeah. I mean, I still remember, like I, I was at some poetry reading that uh, that she was reading at at sixty one local in Brooklyn, and she like asked me if we could take a selfie together, and like That's I was cool. like, yeah, of course. And um, and that was a while ago. Now I I think of that moment where Ada Limone asked me if we could have a selfie together, and now she's poet laureate. So 
you know, I'm going to put that on my CV. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, um, when yeah. is Overland hitting the shelves? And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's send people there. That's a great question. I think Overland is hitting the shelves in April 2023. Nice. Um, I've, I mean, I know it's going to be, if anyone goes to AWP, which I think is in Seattle this Seattle. next year. Sure um, I, I know there's going to be copies there. Okay. So um, you can, I don't know, talk to me about it in Seattle over a bowl of pho and, you know. Wonderful. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really the reason I'm going to Seattle is to eat hey. pho. it's it's not a bad it's not a bad reason we're only a couple hours away so we will definitely be at awp this year oh Um, yeah that's right yeah yeah, the portland one was our first was our first venture and it was absolutely amazing uh, and and incredible to meet people that i've been you know communicating with uh some sometimes via letter from you know 20 years ago Mm -hmm. uh, to to actually getting to meet them in person finally at an awp and hear them read uh, it's it's really cool and make sure to go to as many off-site readings as possible because the off-sites are uh they're magical yeah i know i'm excited about it so yeah that's that'll be a fun debut uh a debut for you uh for a new poetry book to be coming out pretty much at awp then we'll just yeah so everybody should be rushing to that table yeah go to the copper canyon table and um Hopefully by then there won't be more pandemic. Um, (laughs) Just COVID. I'll just yeah. Yeah, COVID, monkeypox, you know, whatever else comes down the pike, I guess. Um, But yeah, I'm happy to be there. Um, I mean, depending on just how many um, pandemics want to greet me. Well, we look forward to seeing you there. Uh, we will we'll manifest that into the world to make sure that this happens this year. Yeah, so, absolutely. With that said, thank you so much for hanging out on TPQ20 today. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Yeah, it's been such a pleasure. Yeah, we look forward to sending people your direction. Absolutely. Have a great cool. rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Right, bye. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.